Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action. I can guarantee you it's one area of the building I won't be using because we all know how little time I'm spending in any weight room. A lot of crazy scenarios that can happen and need to happen for the defending MAC tournament champions. Uh, the assist numbers spoke for themselves. Looking forward to the trip down to Akron. Uh, sure, Akron. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all. Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. As we get set for a snowstorm to hit Southeast Michigan, we are ready to snow you over with our content this week that sees a lot of different ways and a lot of different sports continue to heat up. We've also continued to see some changes forced by COVID cancellation. We have. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. A lot of action coming your way. And Greg, we're going to talk more about it next week. But two former Eagles now have a chance to hoist another Lombardi trophy. Andrew Wiley, Pat O'Connor, a representative of both the Chiefs and the Buccaneers when they play. We're going to have a uh, much bigger segment on those two next week but this week's show starts out with somebody who may know them better than almost anybody else a roommate great friends with the two darian terrell who played with both of those players here at eastern michigan it's an exciting interview and darian gives us a little insight on what it was like to be involved with those two what it's like to see them now so a great little prelude into our super bowl show but you mentioned it as well a lot of things going on on the uh, eastern side of things this week many different events and we just wrapped up some gymnastics this week so we've got Katie Minnesota on uh, as well. Yeah, we talked with the EMU Gymnastics head coach herself coming off a victory over Bowling Green, a convincing victory, but a one that is a little deceptive because the Falcons did not have all their pieces in place. They will have uh, are off to a 3-0 and start, have a chance this week against Kent State. We'll uh, see what they can do, but a good interview with her and talking about uh, their kind of hashtag doing everything and and it takes to win another championship. That's right. In a year where you just said it, COVID has been so uh, involved in everybody's daily life and sports. It's all about doing whatever it takes to win, to get to the next level. And certainly her team is off to a great start and a chance for more Eastern Michigan programs to do the same thing this week. Men's basketball heads to Akron tomorrow night to try to get a clean sweep of the zips, something that's very hard to do on this season. Of course, uh, Eastern Michigan women's basketball then in action back at home on Wednesday night against Ohio, a team that is very challenging uh, for Eastern. So that'll be a a great matchup as well. And then there's some other sports in action this weekend too, Greg. Yeah, you look at it. Track is back in action. They'll be down in Northwest Ohio taking on the Falcons in their invitational. Swimming will be at BG as well as they're back in the pool. Women's tennis gets things going there at Cleveland State. Men's basketball already postponed this week at NAU due to some problems out there in DeKalb. We've also seen a second consecutive week. Volleyball yet won't get off the bench. Uh, They will try to get back at it next week against Western Michigan. That's right, Greg. And guess what? So much great content this week that we're going to take a week off from our weekly giveaways. We'll be back with more prizes next week. But first and foremost, all you have to do this week is sit back and listen because there's great content. So start it right here with the president of Deliver That, Darian Terrell. Katie Minnesota, and then make sure to tune into ESPN3, ESPN Plus, and WEMU 89.1 FM all week long as Eastern Michigan's in action, and we hope to bring you plenty of wins the rest of the week. Be sure to download the Eastern Michigan Game Day app. 
Available in the App Store and Google Play. The EMU Athletics app features live video, real-time social streams, scoreboards, stats, and more. An entire app dedicated to Eastern Athletics. Download the EMU Athletics app today. Well, he spent part of his life patrolling the sidelines here at Eastern Michigan as one of the great football players that helped turn around the program and lead us to the 2016 Popeyes Bahamas Bowl. But now he's fully engaged in his business life, the president of Deliver That. So excited to have uh, Darian Terrell on with us today. And first off, it's been a while since we've seen you in person, but you look great as we're recording today. How's life uh, been treating you the last couple of years since you left campus? Yeah, Alex and uh, Greg, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, things have been great. Honestly, um, it's it's a different change up, a different pace than being a student athlete. But um, I'm I'm really enjoying it. There's there's different challenges and, and hurdles to overcome. So anything with a challenge will keep you keep you locked in and uh, striving to succeed. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that fans and our listeners always are interested in is well, we know you know the player that was here at Eastern, but we don't often talk about the person that was before they kind of got to Eastern. So. I want to spend just a few minutes on your background and tell us a little bit about your journey to getting to Eastern Michigan and, and who you were before uh, maybe football and, and the person that we know you as today. Yeah, my uh, my journey before Eastern, it was, uh, I, I grew up and went to Jackson High School in, in Canton, Ohio, um, was able to, to play football uh, among a couple other sports, but football was primarily my focus, of course. Um, it was it was it was good, tight knit community, uh, very supportive. It was similar to Eastern. Uh, we were not the most successful program in my younger years in my career, but uh, my last year, my senior year, was the best year that we had had experience in in a long time. So um, I had nothing but positive things to say about my experience at Jackson High School. You come into Eastern Michigan and you get. Uh everything that goes on in a transitional period you're there starting in 13 you're with coach english and then coach creighton comes in what was the initial thought when when he comes rolling in and now looking back what makes coach so special yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, my initial thought when we first were introduced to to Coach Creighton was, "Wow, this is a complete polar opposite of what I had committed to, what I had signed up for, and the the coaching staff and environment that um, we had been around for the years previous." So um, it was it was definitely uh, a shock in the beginning. But um, what makes Coach Creighton and the program uh, so great is he is he is very stuck in his convictions, and whether that is you know, you agree with it or you do not. He has an end goal in mind. Um, and once you buy in and you start to realize and see the bigger picture, uh, you see that everything he does, whether it's something small, such as mannerisms or, you know, macro level changes that he's making to rules, uh, how we take on academics, you know, the weight room, uh, film study, etc. cetera. Uh, it's all for the better good. So I think that is something that, and one of the most pivotal things that makes Coach Creighton such a fantastic fit for Eastern. And uh, changed my experience while being at the university. One of the things we sit back and talk about quite a bit now with Coach is the fact that it take away the newcomers from this year. When you look at the roster, as I said, other than newcomers, not a single player on the roster at Eastern Michigan going into this year had not experienced going to a bowl game. That is <laughs> polar opposite of what you had to experience. And, and so certainly, you know, you were part of the 1-11 team. And 
going from that to, to getting over the hump, getting to a bowl game and competing at a seriously different level. Now, bowl games are the expectations. Talk about the process of, you know, how much of a tool it takes to have those struggles, but then ultimately being able to put in the work and know that you were part of the group uh, that made such a special transition here. I love that that is the uh, that is the expectation is to get to a bowl game because that's what we had always uh, we had always strived for right uh, we always described our class as bridge builders we we wanted to lay the foundation uh, and help those who come behind us get to where we'd never gone before uh, so so to hear that it's it's amazing but uh, the transition and the process to get to that point was it was rigorous uh, there's no sugarcoating it you, you had to go through like you said the 111 seasons uh, you had a lot of teammates that didn't make it their whole careers just because it was a shift in the standard um, and some didn't meet that expectation so um, it, it was it was a crazy transition but looking back on it it's it's what made us all successful um, everybody that was that stuck it out through the program uh, that that played on the team that we were on I think that is the main contribution to, to why everybody's able to transition from athletics into the real world is because we've been through a lot of things. We know what it takes to, to trust a process, to, to see the, the end goal, and then to put your head down and work to get to that point. You've had some really successful teammates that you were lucky to, to be around. Alex has one in, in his background there with, with Wiley. Thinking back to, to some of those moments with, with guys like, like Andrew or OC or Max Crosby, what, what stands out fondness to you uh, seeing those guys play on, on Sundays now? And, and what's kind of it like to, to be able to call up those guys and reminisce about uh, what they're doing? Yeah, and to, to me, there's no, there's no surprise. I'm not surprised that the, the guys and the individuals that we had in, in this team and this program are successful, whether that's in the NFL, whether it's um, in the professional world or whatever avenue people are, are uh, you know, taking up after football. So it's not surprising to me. It's, it's, uh, it's a blast being able to turn on uh, the games on Sundays and see some of your best friends performing at the highest level. Uh, even this week, upcoming week, I, get to, I have to choose between my Cleveland Browns and uh, Wiley. So <laughs> I, uh, I'll never root against uh, one of my best friends going and having the opportunity to win a back-to-back -back Super Bowl. So um, it's, it's really cool. And like I said, I'm not surprised because I got to be uh, around these guys every day. I got to see their commitment to their craft, uh, their work ethic and their dedication so when I see them performing at a high level uh, it's it's not a surprise and I'm, I'm happy for them um, and also I'd, I'd like to say it's <laughs> being able to sit back and reminisce it's just like we're still on campus uh, we still have group chats we talk every single day our core group of guys uh, you know it's me uh, Herkham, Creel, Brogan, Wiley, uh, Hunter Matt there's there's a whole slew of guys that we're all communicating on a day-to-day -day basis so it's it's nice to stay connected. Well, and now that you and Wiley and that group of friends are so successful, I just got word that the uh, moped company is, is going to sue you guys for all that you're worth because of what you did to that uh, machine on campus a few years back. <laughs> the suspension on that thing was was up there with dirt bikes and, and any crossroad vehicle that you could you could take. So <laughs> I, I missed that thing, that's for sure. Well, you know, you talk about the teammates that you still communicate with, but I did want to ask you really briefly because it's not every day – uh, that we get to talk to somebody who has perspective of being around uh, Demarius Reed and, and the honor of, and the legacy that he's left here at Eastern. So, you know, one thing that's been instituted is, is the Deuce jersey. And 
you were not here still when that was instituted, but I know it, it probably means a lot to you to see that the tradition of his name and his honor, um, you know, move on in the program. So when you, just your thoughts on that and, and Coach Creighton's commitment to, to still honoring uh, D. Reed. You know, that talks a lot and speaks volumes as to the type of individual that uh, Coach Creighton is. Uh, he never had the opportunity to, to be blessed in the presence of Reed or, um, you know, really interact with him. But just how uh, affected everybody was, he had came in to transition into the coaching. He knew and could feel that um, Reed meant the world to us all, and he still does. So um, even having the opportunity, you know, you were to sit here and, and talk about how great of an individual he was and how valuable of a person and friend he was to me personally and all the guys that we had just mentioned, um, that speaks that speaks volumes. So when I get a clip on the, the screen and watch these games and, and I see a number two jersey, um, it, it gives me chills and it gives me goosebumps so because uh, unfortunately he didn't get to, you know, live out the rest of his career. And, you know, he was on a path to be great and, and break all these records and be a success. But um, for his legacy to, uh, to still be carried on, um, it gives me goosebumps. And so I'm, I'm blessed to say that I knew him. He was a good friend of mine. So um, I'm very grateful for, for everything that we've been able to do. And hopefully we will continue to do to honor his legacy. Speak of legacy, and that's something that Eastern Michigan has done a really good job is embracing traditions, really uh, trying to just be itself as of late. When you think of kind of your fondest moments or things that make you the, the most happy to, to rep the blocky that you've got on your chest right now as we're talking, what, what stands out the most that, that you love still about Eastern Michigan? I love the fact that no matter what, if we're going to uh, the bowl game in Detroit, we're playing against, you know, Pitt, right? Uh, a larger conference team. Um, you're always going to be that underdog, whether even if it's in the MAC, people still will view everybody as an underdog. So I love the fact that it makes you come closer together as a program, as a team, as, you know, friends. It makes you come together because it, it, it gives you that tunnel vision. And it, it's really an easy or a difficult lesson to learn in the beginning that you don't need anybody outside of the walls to, to give you any of the gratification or satisfaction of telling you how good or great you could be. Um, it comes with the hard work and the, the trust that you build with the people that you're around every day. So, and that's something that's transferable, like I said, to, to the real world outside and after athletics. You don't need anybody else to be out there telling you how great you should be or what you can't do. Um, you just need to, to put a stake in the sand say what you will do. And um, I think Eastern really taught us that you don't need that, that, uh, that, that satisfaction of somebody else, you know, advocating on your behalf. You just need the people around you inside those four walls to put their heads down and work. Once you look up, it's going to be everything you wanted and more. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. Certainly a great message from you there. So we've, we've talked a little bit about your time at Eastern Michigan. Now let's transition to what, what life looks like today for you. Currently the president of Deliver That, 
a third-party delivery company. And I'll let you, of course, explain a little bit more about what you do there and what the company looks like. But I was reading about this, 42 uh, metro markets within the U.S. and Canada. That's grown exponentially since the time that you got involved with the company. So give us a little background on what you do today and what Deliver That is all about. Yeah, so I'll start with what we are. Uh, Deliver That is, we are a third-party catering delivery company, right? So think of it as you're not going to have your, you know, average or underdressed individual delivering your your large event uh, or your catering, your office meals, your team feeds. Um, You're not going to have somebody that doesn't represent the restaurant brand well. Uh, Our drivers all come in they're professionally dressed. Uh, they have you know the proper equipment. They execute that brand specific setup so it, it looks presentable um, on the brand's behalf. So uh, how how I got started in this is uh, back in the summer of 2017 when I was finishing up my MBA. Two of my my friends that I had grown up with had started this as more of an on-demand delivery company at Ohio University where they attended college. They moved back to my hometown at the same time as I did. And I just started, you know, helping them out, doing some deliveries uh, while I was completing my MBA. Uh, After that, I ended up taking a job, moving to Pittsburgh for, you know, six months or so. And I realized that it's the corporate America, that that kind of lifestyle wasn't for me, right? I needed more excitement and I needed more challenges. So um, I ended up quitting that job and moving back to Canton, Ohio. And we were in about four or five markets uh, locally. So probably Akron, Canton area, Cleveland, uh, Columbus, Pittsburgh, and uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, at that point, I started working with, uh, with, with our two co-founders. We were able to take it to what it is today. Um, we're now in 85 metros uh, across the U.S. and Canada. We've been able to almost double our coverage throughout the pandemic. Uh, we have uh, about 20 to 22 employees right now working with us. Uh, that's an office here in Canton, Ohio, where we're headquartered. And then we also have a, a satellite office in Phoenix, Arizona. So um, it's, it's been a, a fantastic ride. It's, it's an awesome opportunity that I've been presented with. And um, I currently sit at the, the, the president position. I've been at this position going on about two years now. So I oversee um, our, our outside enterprise sales. Um, a lot of the day-to-day operations will roll up to me and um, really just get to, to lead a, a team of fantastic individuals that are hungry to, to be better each day. So that's what I'm most fortunate about. I know Greg's going to jump in with the, the next question, but I've got to tell you, First and foremost, we love discussing food on this show. So almost every guest we bring on, I'm pretty sure last time Wiley was on, he gave us like a uh, meat by meat specification on his favorite barbecue in KC, which I'm sure you've talked about. And it's not surprising to me, and I mean this in the best way possible, that, you know, that you and and Wiley have, you know, you're full-time in the food industry. Wiley acts like he's full-time in the food industry. It's no surprise because let me tell you, (laughs) down like your line used to put it down even even the, the specialists even brendan Ranius would be would could be smashing food like uh, no other so certainly no surprise to see you doing so well in that field yeah you're attracted to what you love right <laughs> here with darian terrell on the eastern insider podcast you you look at, at the pandemic and how it changes everything right place right time people can't go out people are supposed to stay at home how much has one, been the pandemic changed your business workflow and kind of what have you learned 
as a president trying to manage a bunch of people who are also who may be struggling dealing with their own stuff at home how do you go about trying to help those people too knowing that they're trying to do the best they can to work for you yeah the the first piece is um how how this affected our business and it, it flipped us upside down uh to, to speak we had about a 90 to 95% uh, drop off in our revenue and our volume uh, in the month of April. Uh, we were on pace to do great things, but when the majority of your business goes from business to business uh, and offices are shutting down and restaurants are shutting down, you get hit hard. Um, so, so what we had to do is we had to figure out either are we gonna you know, uh, fold up and say, okay, this is it. We're you know, a product of our circumstances. Or are we gonna find a way to adapt and evolve our business so that um, we're able to succeed in no matter what environment. And I think that right there is what made it, ex I don't want to say easy, but it made it, um, it made it achievable. Uh, we had a team of people surrounded uh, by our, our company was surrounded by a team of people that all had the same vision in mind. Everybody knew that um, it's, it's bigger than us at this point. Uh, restaurants are, are having to furlough and lay off people by the by the handfuls every single day. You know, people are going for bankruptcy, and um, so it's it, we had a service that restaurants really had a need for. So we needed to figure out how to tailor and uh, pivot our business into a, a way that we could be an asset to these restaurants and help them through the time. So uh, we were able to do that, uh, and it it really ended up helping us. We were able to double our coverage. We were we were able to go into a more lean model. Um, operationally, we, uh, we, we made a lot of changes and advancements, and now it made us, made us able to scale, or gave us the ability to scale at a rapid rate to assist people across the country. Um, when, when we talk about the people aspect, though, it's, it was really tough because we, we wore it as a burden because we're providing an opportunity for a lot of individuals, whether that's, you know, our in-house uh, employees that we work with, or that if it's our thousands of drivers across the country who are dependent on us for, for income, passive income or primary income, whatever that is. Uh, so we had a lot of decisions to make, but at the end of the day, we had a lot of people that were thinking about others and not themselves. They were trying to figure out, okay, I know that I'm going through these battles internally or at home or outside of the workplace, but I know that there's businesses that have been around for hundreds, you know, maybe 20 plus years um, that, that are going under. So what can we do and what can I do today to help them and make sure that they can keep their doors open again? So um, it, it, was a, it was a rough transition, you know, working remote, but it, was, it made it really easy for us to all stay connected because everybody had that fire in their belly that they wanted to succeed and they, they wanted to see this through. You know, um, Coach Creighton always told us, and he had it on the in, the in the team room, is tough times don't last, tough people do. And that was really one of my mantras that, that I was preaching to our team um, and everybody that I talked to, right? If I know this pandemic is gonna be tough, I know it's gonna flip the restaurant industry upside down, but it's not gonna last forever. The dust will settle. At the end of the day, people still need to eat. They want to eat and they don't wanna cook every day. So if you can figure out a way to get your product in front of individuals, um, at, at a scalable level, then uh, you'll still be around once this dust settles and, and will be as successful in whatever capacity you define that in. Great service, great people, and, and great commitment is obviously something that goes hand in hand with successful business. But one of the key ingredients to your business as well is the partnerships with those restaurants uh, that you serve, as, as you always say. 
I'm interested to know because we talked a little bit earlier about the growth that the business has had and certainly uh, the partners that you have are, are well-known uh, groups and, and businesses. How do you go about building those relationships? I mean, because again, those types of partnerships have certainly helped you as, as, as I know. And how, so how do you do that when you're just starting as a new company? How do you convince these large brands that, hey, we're a reputable service uh, that will be a benefit to you to partner with. And now, of course, you look at the business and as you've said, it's exploded and you're certainly just that. But how, when you get that going, uh, how hard is that to get in the door and how do you do that? <laughs> it was definitely a challenge in the beginning. Um, and it's, um, I'm not going to say it's easy now. We, we now have momentum. We are we're well known uh, within the industry. So um, we, we started this as, and we still use this today, but it's, it's for drivers by drivers. Okay. So we all, every single person in our company and even me, me included, I started out doing deliveries, right? So I know the pain points that restaurants were facing. I would see it on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so we are, we are here and, uh, and we want to help restaurants. Uh, we're not here to you know, grab their margins or, you know, feed into the negative connotation that's associated with other third-party delivery firms. And so once people and brands really start to understand that and see that uh, we're not here trying to grab your margins, we're not here to take your money that you, <laughs> you really haven't made yet, we want to help you execute and scale your business. So um, I think that was the main contribu contribution but uh, as well as consistency, right? We say we're going to do something and we do. If we fall short on that, whether it's, you know, serviceability, whether it's coverage, whether it's just an incident that occurs outside of our control, um, we will take accountability ownership of that uh, and, and we'll be wrong in a moment, right? And so I think that goes a very long way well, through our customer service, it's not an outsourced, you know, you're going to get people here in the United States working with you in real time to troubleshoot issues or um, the fact that we go above and beyond to educate our brands or our drivers on the specific brand that they're delivering for so that you know the difference if it was um, a restaurant X employee or a deliver that driver. That's what we've really worked to do. And now that um, we've built that trust and that kind of stigma in this industry. It's really paid dividends to us and helped us scale, um, whether it's word of mouth, whether that's, you know, um, inbound marketing or inbound sales. Uh, it's all starting to come together here over the last year. There was a play in 2016. We, we played at Bowling Green, who had for a long time at that point been a, a powerhouse in the league. And I remember a play where Sergio Bailey went up and caught a pass over the back of a Bowling Green defender. And uh, that was certainly a special moment that season. That was one of those moments where for me personally, I said, okay, this, this season's going to be different. This is, this something has been built here. I'm interested to know, is there a moment like that for you with your, with your business at this point? And I know you're far from happy to settle where you're at and there's a lot of growth to go, but do you have a specific moment in mind over the last couple of years where you looked back and said, Hey, this, this is going to work. Yeah, there's been there's been a ton of those instances, but I think the one that jumps out to me the most is um, a couple years back we were at a conference and um, that was our first time really being surrounded by not just you know restaurant uh, employees but the executives of the holding companies or the executives of the restaurant brands themselves uh, are all in one concentrated place 
and everybody was there to learn how do they grow and, and dominate their catering business. Um, and so during the keynote, we were, we, we were in the, uh, the auditorium listening to the keynote speaker and uh, they, were, they, they were speaking about delivery and why it's important. And next thing you know, they, they click the slide and it's a picture of our driver. Uh, on the board for everybody in the in the conference to see. Um, so that was a it was a cool moment. It was like wow, we we weren't anticipating it, we weren't expecting it, but I think that just shows that um, brands trust us and what we're doing is actually making a difference. So we just need to double down and, and attack that even harder if we want to to be successful and, and grow as much as we have and, and as we continue to strive to do. Yeah, it's breaking through that that ceiling that you you sometimes think uh, you're, it's so far out of reach, and then all of a sudden you find yourself there. I'm sure you were a student athlete sitting back in classes here at Eastern once before, and and I'm sure this is probably not maybe what you expected when it, to be doing when you first started out as a college undergrad, giving back to to Canton. I mean, people. A lot of people move out of Northeast Ohio. They go to warmer climates. They, they do things elsewhere. But you've gone back to your hometown and, and really established yourself. When you think about that message that you can go home again and do a lot of things, what's kind of the, the message to, to maybe a student athlete listening to this podcast right now thinking, well, if he can do it, I can go back to my hometown, whether it's here, Muncie, Indiana, or wherever it might be and do the same thing what's kind of your message to them you don't have to go uh to a large city a different school you don't have to remove yourself from an environment because you think that uh, you'll get more exposure you'll get more opportunity uh if, if you put your head down and you work and you you set goals and you surround yourself with a fantastic group of people um who are all you know intrinsically motivated that that want to be successful to their core you could be in you could be in Alaska. You can Anchorage, Alaska, and build whatever it is that you've ever dreamed of building, and be successful in that aspect. So my my biggest thing is um, everybody wants to go and be a part of something that's already has a foundation or has already got some momentum. Uh, but it's the people that really you know step aside and remove themselves and put themselves in more of an uncertain environment um, that that will be successful in the wrong long run because you're able to. Um, you're able to test you, you know, you're, you're tested in all aspects, whether it's, uh, you know, finding quality, uh, quality individuals, whether it's finding leads, whether it's, you know, having people come to your small town, uh, you could be the reason why people come to your town, you could be the change. And so don't always look away and look for something that's easier, the, um, the, the easiest path, pave your own, and it'll feel that much better for you once you do. Certainly an inspiring message. Darian, when you look at your own path, what's, what's next for you? What are some of the goals that, that you still have out for yourself and uh, that you want to achieve? And is athletics in those plans at all? I mean, I know a lot of people when they're playing want to be coaches or, or continue down that path, but you're certainly on a different, albeit great path. Is that something that you've thought about? I always think about it, uh, and this is something that I, I said when I came back senior year to play is uh, football is not a game that you can pick up and, and, and play a pickup game at the YMCA or locally. Right? This is a very unique game, and I think that's why it's such a tough transition for individuals to move on, uh, because once you're done, you're done, right? Um, so I, I'd love to, to get into some sort of uh, coaching capacity, whether it's 
um, just helping out high schoolers, which I've done, but um, I don't, I don't have uh, like a burning desire to say that, Hey, I need to be back. But I know that once you're around football, it's an addicting kind of, uh, it's an addicting game, right? There's everything you want in life, competition, adversity, uh, is all surrounded by the game of football. You're surrounded by individuals that you wouldn't interact with on a day-to-day basis. So I'm never writing football out of my future, um, but I, I owe it to my company and myself uh, to continue down the path that, that we've, we've paved um, and keep moving mountains until we achieve the goals that we've set as a company. Well, Darren, I've got to tell you, not only are we just so proud of uh, what you've done, what some of your classmates have done, but the fact that you can continue to support Eastern and give back. And listen, not a lot of people know, but from a personal standpoint, you know, I I definitely consider you and Wiley and that group some of the people that are the reason I am where I am today, just because you guys were so welcoming, made my experience so great as an undergrad. So from a personal standpoint, can't thank you enough as well. And uh, it just, it means a lot to, to have you on. And when the pandemic slows down, come back and, and visit us and maybe we this person. Yes, most definitely. And I, I do want to say congratulations to you, Jewel, because um, even when we, you, were, you were in undergrad and you were working with us specifically, um, it is no surprise to me that you've climbed the ranks and you've been devoted to Eastern. Um, you, you have that work ethic and, and that personality that's fantastic to be around. So, um, Greg, you made, a, you made a hell of a decision here, and I'm glad to uh, that you're on board for the long run. I look forward to to seeing what you guys continue to to put out there. It's much appreciated by the the athletes and the former athletes. Well, it's Eastern's grads got to all stick together, and that Alex has has done a great job. He he does a tremendous job, and uh, I, I'm glad that he still can also take some ridicule from you guys as former players because <laughs> you're used to just chucking some laundry at him or telling him to go pick up some cone drills, but. Uh, I don't have that luxury. I can't go tell him to run a lap every now and then, even though I'd want him to tell him to, he won't do it. <laughs> hey, oh yeah, that, that was a good time. He was always nice to me, but Ryan Grubb said a few things that I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was all out of love. <laughs> he, he had a different way of uh, voicing it, but it, it was all out of love. <laughs> Darian, before we get you out of here, if, if folks at home listening to this podcast want to find out more about your company or find out just how to, to start use, utilizing your service, how can they, they do so and, and where can they find uh, more information about you guys online? Yeah, if you are interested or you'd like to just check us out and see what we're up to, um, you can follow us on all social media platforms at Deliver That. Uh, you can check out our website at www.deliverthat.com. Uh, and if you would like to reach out to me personally, if you have any questions, I'm always available um, through LinkedIn, uh, Darian Terrell, um, or you can reach out and, and find me on social media, and I'd be happy to set up a time to connect with anybody. Darian, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. I know our listeners will be excited to hear from you, and hopefully, uh, again, once this all settles down, we'll be able to see you in person and, and get you back for a game. Um, but again, best of luck moving forward. And if you ever need anything, don't forget your Eastern family is, uh, is always here for you as well. Never would. I appreciate you guys. And I do look forward to making it back on campus. Thank you for having me again and uh, stay safe out there. I'll talk to you guys soon.
Welcome back to the Eastern Insider Podcast as we roll on with our head coaches interviews and this time we're doing it a little different because her team has already competed twice this season. It's head coach Katie Minnesota of the Eastern Michigan Gymnastics team and coach as we sit here recording this interview uh, Sunday your team has just wrapped up its second victory of the season this time over Bowling Green 194.775 is your final score and Bowling Green's much lower and there's a reason for that and we'll get into that. They did not have everybody competing uh, today day and due to some issues with their uh, roster but nonetheless your team comes out and I know in gymnastics anyways it's more about what your team puts up right? That's correct it is about um, your team and we often say a lot uh, to the team that you know you're competing against yourself you're still competing against everybody in the country even though you only have one or a few opponents um, at the meet but everybody scores what you're competing against but ultimately because we aren't a defensive sport you're it's pretty much about you on the competition floor. Well, we'll talk a little bit about your first meet last week in Philadelphia. You took down not only Temple, but also Townsend at the Temple Triangular in a really impressive comeback. And I know I emailed back and <laughs> forth with you and said, I was on the edge of my seat watching home at home on TV. But in today's meet, it was one of your newcomers, Raisa Boris, that really came out with a, a strong showing. In fact, she was our uh, gymnast of the meet today. Talk a little bit about who she is, where she comes from, and what makes her such a threat as a young gymnast to come in and really put up great scores. Yeah, I was really proud of her. She um, she has the ability to do all around for us, and um, she's coming. She's working her way into that vault lineup. Um, but those other three events, she is just a steady Eddie for us. Like she goes in, does her job. She's clean, has the skills, and she just has the confidence. Um, she had a mistake uh, last week at Temple, and she fell on beam. But as you can see, she stepped up and we put her first on beam and she took on the challenge like nobody's business so really happy with that individual performances lead to team success and last year you were on track to have some people that were on pace to head to regionals that gets taken away from how does that go about motivating your team this year to see some of the individuals that would have advanced a year ago this year not being able to return and, and motivate them for this year to know that anything can be taken away very quickly. You know, that's that's kind of the reason that we have no matter what is our, our theme this year is because no matter what, you don't know what's going to happen the next day. I mean, it, it our season ended so abruptly, like you said, and um, I think that having some of those athletes have that happen to them, they have actually um, used that as a motivation for them to kind of continue working hard and training hard. We don't talk about the individual aspect of it. Yes, it's each person has their own job to do as an individual to make the, the team score, like you mentioned. Um, and so that's kind of what we talk about mainly. Um, but I think that they still have that that personal goal to kind of get out there and do their job so that if perchance because it's always about the team doesn't make regionals then they're right up there too so we have representation with uh, EMU. When you look at this season and you look at the changes how has it affected you? I mean during the the meet on Saturday or Sunday we saw the cleaning crew have to go through clean especially individual events. I mean gymnastics is a sport with chalk everywhere and it's going on (laughs) But to see them go through with Lysol machines on the vault and around the beam, how different is that? And what challenges it does it make for the girls with touch? You know, um, I would say at first it was very uh, different. We were like, oh, we have to clean everything after each one, each thing. But, you know, we've kind of come accustomed to it. So it's really hasn't 
I feel like our team does a really good job of kind of adapting whenever they need to and something throw, is thrown at them. They really do a great job adapting to the, the situation. For instance, we, um, we've never had our meet here yet with, the, um, with everything COVID and the machine that they use is kind of loud and, and we were like, whoa, what's that? But then like you just kind of drown out that, that noise and you go about your business and that's what, we, that's what gymnastics is all about is focusing on the right here, the right now and um, getting your job done without the distractions because there are so many distractions, especially with an event like Beam. It can throw you off and, and not just Beam, but like that's one in particular that I can think of, but like any kind of noise can throw you off and your focus and um, so I think they've done a really good job. I don't think we really um, have any issues with that, and that's something that we really talk about a lot is just to um, adapt to whatever comes at our way. We've touched on a little bit already. Gymnastics, so much a team sport, but maybe almost different than any other sport. The team score is so important, but also the individual scores that go into that, and it's a, a, just a little bit of a weird makeup, are so important. And you've got plenty of great individuals, but I know that there's some newcomers, some returners that are important to this team. But when you look first at the coaching staff, a little bit uh, of a shakeup as well this year, although someone that you've added full-time, you feel like has already been a part of of this team for quite some time. Tell us a little bit about what the coaching staff looks like so fans at home can get an idea, and then we'll go into some individual players. Yeah, so our coaching staff has been together since pretty much I've been here. Um, Sam was our volunteer coach since I started, and Danielle started in December um, when I started. So all of us, all three of us have been together since pretty much the get-go. So we just made it official for Sam to be um, officially on staff this summer, and it couldn't be a better fit. She jumped right in. She's a little bit more on the quiet, shy side, but um, she shows her true colors when um, she comes out in the gym because that's her passion. Like, that's her um, – she loves the sport, and she wants to do it, and so she, you can see it feed through. Um, our, our best event was – scoring event was Beam, and so um, she did a really good job, and they trust her. They like her, and um, – Danielle, um, we, we go way back with our coaching history, too. So I think all three of us kind of work off of each other's strengths and weaknesses, and it's been a really good fit. And in terms of student-athletes, you lose someone like an Emily DeBronix that was a huge name in Eastern Michigan gymnastics, mm -hmm. but still some familiar faces around the program that are now kind of taking on that role of being your leaders, whether it's a Caitlin Sattler, Jada Rondu. Who are some of those returners that you've looked to early on through this process, not only to lead on the mats, but also to take these new players under their wing as a time where not only are they just getting into gymnastics all of the outside factors this year have been just so different yeah there's um i i can almost list the entire team with as far as like taking on everybody because we we named everybody a captain this year and there's a reason because they each one of them has something to bring to this team and it showed throughout the summer with covid and stuff they all came together and they um stayed with each other, held each other accountable. But I would, I mean, I would say the whole senior class, Jada, Bree, Courtney, and Callie, they all, I'm like seniors with them. We started at the same time. Our whole coaching staff is like that. So um, I feel like they really understand what it takes and they've been through the ups and downs since they've been here. And I think they have kind of weeded through the different things that they need to do to kind of keep this team on track and, and stay together as a team because the culture is ultimately, if we have the right culture, that's what's going to make us go farther in um, our gymnastics because that's just it. I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. So. <laughs> 
for a long time, people have, have looked at Kent State, Central Michigan as being the preeminent powers in the MAC. Eastern Michigan is poked up there in recent years. Last year, a newcomer in NIU comes about. How do you see the MAC shaping up? And also, how does the change in regional qualifying scores going from six down to four, how does that also affect your team? Well, that's a great question. I think that um, anybody in the MAC, um, the MAC is getting stronger and stronger each year. So I think anybody in the MAC can hold its own. Um, obviously, I think we should win, right? So <laughs> we have Good the answer. we have the uh, the ability and capability, and I think that we were on track to doing that last year had we not um, had it taken away. But um, I think that uh, anybody in the MAC can go out there and and do their job it's good in a way because we can throw away two extra scores that we would normally have not but at the same time the message is not different you've got to go out there and do your your job because if you keep saying oh yeah we'll throw that score away we'll throw Mm -hmm. that score away then you run out of scores to throw away and then your your backs up are up against the wall so um that's what we want to do our job early on so we don't have to worry about having our backs against the wall when it comes to those last four meets um so yes i think it makes a difference because it's less scores that we count but at the same time the message is still the same to get out there and do your job we're with head gymnastics coach Katie Minnesota. And, Coach, we touched really briefly on the team's first event of the year at the start of the interview. You guys were out in Philadelphia. Uh, first and foremost, before we get into the meet, how different is it traveling this year, having to kind of take all the precautions into account? Yeah, so different. I mean, our team loves to go shopping to the mall, and like, <laughs> they can't. They have to stay in their hotel room. I mean, we try to find things in the hotel that we could do. Um, we played a game, like, in the rooms where they could um, – create a towel animal and figure out who had the best one. I mean, because our team likes to be active and stuff like that. Um, can't go eat at a restaurant. You know, that's it's hard. You can't have parents visit, um, which is super hard because for us and them, you know. Um, but, you know, again, we have to adapt and figure it out. And I think that um, we did fly to that meet, and it, the, everything went pretty smoothly. So I thought that was that was pretty good. Well, I can tell you that Greg and I on road trips like to go shopping, too. Usually, though, it's for... <laughs> A snack, dinner, and then dessert. So <laughs> that's we usually stop at three different places. But going back to, to that meet, your team comes back from behind on the last event and wins that meet. And I'm not going to try to throw you under the bus, but I did watch. And yeah. the commentators were pretty adamant that you said, we've got to be ahead going into bars. Bars might be the, the area, or, or excuse me, vault. Vault might be the area that we need a little bit more work on. But your team not only makes Vault the best event of the night, the last event, a great round, and you guys come back from behind and win. What does that say early on about the attitude and and the drive uh, and then the ability to execute that your team has? Yeah, you can throw me under the bus. That's fine because I did say that. Um, Vault is probably our not-so-stellar event, but um, the fact that they went out... The one thing that we talked about was no matter what, finish the meet, because that's kind of what we've always had problems with, is finishing the meet, and that was one thing we talked about, no matter what, finish this meet strong, and we talked about it after floor, and my my gosh, they did it. They went out there, and they vaulted like they never vaulted before, and even today, I thought they... Or, I think yesterday they um, they did a really good job vaulting, and Callie stuck her vault. And I thought some of the scores were a little bit um, interesting because they were the same scores uh, the first three kids. But I think that going out in crushing vault at Temple, they just did a great job, and they they have the heart, the desire, the drive to want to succeed, and they will do what they can to make this team 
um, succeed on in anything they can. We always like to get coaches out of here on a, a fun question. So we oh, don't dear. we don't grill people hard, but <laughs> we we've talked to coaches who are getting ready for their season. If you weren't gearing up for your season, who or what sport would you trade places with, even if it's a day or a week? Who would you like to take over and just be a part of that program for one day? That's a great question. Um, I have either football or which we don't have wrestling anymore because uh. my brother was a wrestler and so I was a stats girl and I was yelling at them like oh you're out uh, there with the I two was, and I was reversals like, yes shoot shoot take that <laughs> yeah so wrestling or um, football just because football's fun and you want the physical violent contact we we, we think of the of gymnastics as this beautiful lines and everything else and you're like let's go I kind of wish I would have wrestled in high school <laughs> Well, Coach, we look forward certainly to seeing how your team goes throughout the season. We hope that everybody's able to stay safe. We're able to, to yes. get these events in so that you guys will have a chance to bring home that Mid-American Conference crown. And then we're looking forward next year to seeing you out at Rynearson Stadium with a hammer in hand and the wall ready to come down. What do you okay. think? Should we should we try to convince Coach Creighton that you yeah. should be a, a wrench carrier for them? Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> Let me do it. Ugh, I got it. It's got to give me some time to train to carry that thing. <laughs> that thing's heavy. <laughs> That's it for this edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening. For Greg Steiner, I'm Alex Jewell reminding you to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts or go to SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your digital media to stay connected with us every Monday. As always, follow us on social media for the most up-to-date information on EMU Athletics. <laughs>